Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. And like we said on the teaser, the initial podcast episode, the Sixers had a big game this weekend. On a Sunday afternoon, they faced the Washington Wizards for game one of the playoffs. For the first time this season, they allowed 50% fans in the building and... It was crazy. It was like, Kev, it was crazy. I know, I know you didn't make it to the first game. You're going to be out. You're going to be there for the rest of the series, but tell me watching it from, first of all, what broadcast did you watch it on? NBC sports Philly. Of course, anybody who, when they are on national television and the home broadcast at the same night, if you watch the national broadcast over zoo and Allah, I heavily judge you. Mm, okay. So it's funny. Cause that one, that one play, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here with the, the game recap, but the uh, I think it was like the third quarter play when the Sixers forced a turnover and Tobias Harris gets it, dishes it back to Seth Curry, who just mm-hmm. like drains yep. a three and zoom off was just going wild <laughs> on the broadcast. But then when you listen to the TNT one, it was just like, and Curry shoots it and drains the three. And I'm just like, how do like how can anyone watch that and feel exactly. satisfied watching this game? Like yeah. it was it was wild. Like maybe they have to be there for the game to like have that kind of energy. Even on TV, that I when you started talking about a certain play, I knew you were gonna go to that because even on like the net, the broadcast, like obviously, yeah, Zoo went nuts, screamed yes as loud as he possibly could, but you could even hear the crowd like just break out into a frenzy in that sense too. I think Doc put it best when he said it sounded like there were 30,000 people there, not 10,000. It really did. It was crazy. Cause like, you know, the, the Sixers are warming up. They're doing the layup line, whatever. And it was like 10 minutes left. Now the funny part is, you know how when they're doing that for whatever reason with like five minutes left, they automatically send off the buzzers even though there's like the game's not starting for another five minutes, I guess they just do it as a test. So everyone who was there, I don't think knew that that was just a test. So when that went off, everyone went nuts. And I started laughing because I'm like, they have no idea that there's still five minutes left before we even get (laughs) close to the national anthem and all that. But so everyone went nuts. They got that out of their system. I think they realized like, okay, this isn't done yet. And then when it went off for a second time, it was just even louder. And then even you get to the national anthem, people are screaming with the national anthem when that was concluding. And it just like the whole time was just crazy, like crazy chants, F.U. Westbrook chants, uh, refuse suck chants. Like it, it was nuts. I, I can't imagine if like there was 100 percent capacity there. Like it was just it was insane. I mean, listen, there's a reason why the Sixers have one of the best home records over the last three seasons, and it's because of that crowd. And you're talking a whole season where the Sixers completely flipped the script from last season. Fans weren't able to be in the arena all year, so all that pent-up energy, that that excitement of finally being able to get in there and the game they get to do it is the first game of the playoffs. You know, the MVP chance erupted for Joel. They even brought back the trust the process chance when he, were, when he was at the foul line. I mean – the, the fans and the, the environment of the crowd is a very underrated factor of why the Sixers wanted the one seed. 
to have that home court throughout because coming into Wells Fargo Center is a tough place to come into, especially now that they continue to allow more fans in the vibe, the energy in there. It's going to be something that they can feed off of, and it's going to be a test for opposing teams when they have to come into Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. Bradley Beal pointed it out. Um, I know it's not out yet, but you wrote something on it, and Brad Beal was talking about how, you know, it's Philly. It's crazy there, and he was having fun with it, honestly, and I love that because it's kind of that that's going to be going on in all series like he's he's chirping at the fans they're chirping back at him I think they picked on Westbrook more than they did with Beal but it, it's fun like it's it's definitely exciting for the Sixers to have that one seed they'll they'll be at home as long as they're in in the playoffs still they'll be at home for those first two games and they'll have that advantage and there's a reason why they are as good as they are at home and that's the reason why they took game one against the Wizards so Kev Who's your MVP for game one? Uh, it's got to be Tobias Harris. I mean, that first half was just incredible. I feel like it, Doc said his best after the game that they had a whole week to prepare, and you know the whole game plan was to run everything through Joel. Their front court cannot keep up with him. You wanted to get him going and set the tone early, and that has to get thrown out the window almost immediately because he picks up three cheap fails from some horrendous refereeing in game one. But – Listen, they had to find production from somewhere in time and time again. It's been Tobias Harris this year, and he did it again in game one. I mean, Rui Hachimura, although he had the size to keep up with Tobias Harris, did not have the speed and quickness, and Tobias made him pay every time. Basically kept them afloat in the first half. I mean, I think he had half of the Sixers' points going into halftime. So if he doesn't go off like that and understand that he needs to step up in that time until Joel can get back on the court, who knows what we're talking about in this game one. I mean, I feel like based on how everything went down – this was the Wizards' chance to steal a game. Joel Embiid was in foul trouble. You know, guys were struggling early. They couldn't really hit their threes. So if there was any game to give them their best punch, I feel like it was game one. So I feel like this game kind of just echoed my point of why the brooms are being brought out. Ooh, ooh we're, still, we're still going to that, huh? We're, don't don't get ahead of yourself now. Don't get ahead of yourself. We'll, we'll get to it. But so Tobias had 28 in the first half. Sixers had 61. So, I mean – I, I don't know how often anyone looks at Tobias Harris's playoff numbers in the past, not only with the Sixers, but I think he had a, a stint in Detroit where mm-hmm. he was in the playoffs as well. His numbers were awful, like bad. And we've seen it firsthand here in Philly the last two years. Like he couldn't hit shots. And then all of a sudden he comes in game one, this new Tobias Harris, and is just hitting everything. And it, it just like, it just goes to show how important one Doc Rivers is to the Sixers and just how much Tobias Harris wants to silence his critics this year. And I thought that that first half was just a perfect example of a guy who believed that he did everything to be called an all-star this year and was snubbed. And I think if he can continue to have performances like that, there's no, like, there's no chance he doesn't get all-star status next year. Because, I mean, he makes the Sixers a big three as much as everybody doesn't want to believe that. I know Tobias Harris isn't the flashy superstar. He's not the, the James Harden or the Kyrie Irvings, but he's a star. And, and there's really just no other way to put it. I think he's arguably the perfect kind of third star in terms of archetype and personality because, listen, he's a vocal leader behind the scenes. He understands 
what he brings to this team. And he's just a guy who wants to go out. He's a gamer. He just wants to go out there and he wants to hoop. So when you have these two franchise cornerstones in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who are like generational talents and so easy to market around. And then you have Tobias Harris, who understand who understands the situation. He knows it's their team. He wants to come in and he wants to help play aside them, not try and take their limelight. So I agree. They, they are a big three. They've played like one this year. And I think they looked like one in game one. I mean, Tobias was incredible in the first half. Joel was incredible in the second half. Ben Simmons all around, you know, filling in the, the holes where they needed to be. So, I mean, they, without a doubt, are a big three, and they shine in game one. Did you say Ben Simmons was filling in the holes for the Sixers? I think so. I mean, listen, like I just said, Tobias was the hot hand in the first half. Joel carried them home, and Ben Simmons was like, you know what? I'm going to fill in where I need to. I'm going to dish 15 assists. I'm going to attack the glass. I'm going to live in Bradley Beal's jersey for the full 48. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, an understanding of the game. Ben Simmons just wants to win. He don't care about them numbers. He don't care about finishing with six points. Yes, everyone wants him to score more. Obviously, in a different game, you know, that touch might be there and those points might come a little easier. But the fact that he was able to dish a career high, a playoff career high in assist and grab a playoff career high in rebounds and just completely frustrate Bradley Beal understands his awareness of when to step up, when to step back, and we know where to focus his energy when the other guys are cooking. But Kevy had six points. I don't care. <laughs> they won. They yeah, won and they won easily. Who who really cares? If they lost and they needed to find scoring from somewhere and Ben Simmons just wasn't stepping up, maybe it could be a topic of conversation. But with the way Tobias and Joel were eating the Wizards' defense alive, who cares that Ben Simmons only scored six points? Yes, everyone wants him to score more. I think in a, a different game, he hits more free throws, so you see a little more points. But I am nowhere near worried about Ben Simmons after that performance. Like Doc Rivers said, it's special. It's a special performance. Not many players can go out there and do what he can. He, he is cut from a cloth that very few players in history have come from, and people still cannot you know, wrap their head around that. Yeah, I, I don't understand it personally. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many times – I guess it's because when Ben Simmons was drafted, it was the whole, well, he's the next LeBron and all that. Every player who's going to get first overall is the next LeBron or the next whatever great legend. Ben Simmons cannot make it more clear. He does not care about his scoring numbers. He wants to pass the ball and he's a playmaker. If anything, you should, people should be grateful of the fact that this guy doesn't want to hog the ball. Now, listen, I get it. He can help with spacing. If he starts hitting some, some mid range jumpers, maybe a three here and there. But the thing is, if he starts shooting those shots, especially in the playoffs and he's, you say he's not that great of a shooter, then what do you want him to shoot for? What do you want him shooting for? He'll be looking like (laughs) Russell Westbrook. Literally like you don't trust me. You don't want Ben Simmons shooting the ball more. If you say he's a bad shooter, why would you want him shooting the ball more? Right? Everyone, everyone says this about Brooklyn. There's only one ball. So James Harden can't put up 30. Kevin Durant can't put up 30. And, and uh, Kyrie Irving can't put up 30 like that. Someone has to take the back seat with the scoring. Ben Simmons was willing to take the back seat with the scoring, but he made scoring. He had 15 assists, like you said. Uh, Tobias. Tobias had 37 in 37 minutes. Yeah. Joel had 30 points. Like, what, what else do we have here? Seth Curry, 15 points. Other guys got their points. Why does it matter what Ben Simmons is doing? Now, I will say the guy needs to make his free throws. That I mean, that, that's something that everybody should be agreeing with, especially in those, those crunch time. I think it was fourth quarter. I don't know if he had two or four in the fourth quarter. 
for free throws, but he missed them and he missed every single free throw he took. That's an issue. That's something that he should get down. That's something that I'm sure Sam Cassell is like destroying him today. They have practice today. So he's going to be like, Ben, get on the line right now. Don't mess around. You're making these free throws. So <laughs> I, I don't doubt that Ben, I don't know if he'll go hundred percent free throws, but I don't doubt he'll be better in game two with his free throws. Don't care about his scoring six points, whatever. Everybody else got points, you know, when they needed to, the Sixers won the game. How do you complain about that? Yeah, that, that's really all that matters. At the end of the day, I thought that's what we were here to do is win basketball games, not they have to win and Joel, Tobias, and Ben have to reach, you know, X amount of points. And it's like you said, you don't want your stars taking food from each other's mouths. If guys are the hot hand, you know, you know, working teams, the, when championship teams are talked about, the key word that's always brought up is sacrifice. You know, guys need to sacrifice, you know, touches, points when needed for the sake of the team. And Ben Simmons has done that largely throughout the course of this season. Early on when Seth Curry was playing incredible before he went down with COVID, Tobias Harris was playing at an all-star level. Everyone was complaining about Ben Simmons only averaging 14 points per game. He was stepping back because he understood that the cast around him was playing incredible and he wanted to fill in and just help facilitate around. That's where he thrives and he thinks he's at his best when he's making the players around him better. So the fact that he was able to do that at the level that he did in game one and people are, are worried about six points just blows my mind. It's so funny how such an unselfish player gets called selfish yeah. <laughs> for being it, unselfish. It makes, it he's selfish because no he sense. won't shoot. Like it just yeah. it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. You have this dominant center in Joel Embiid who just wants to be great and eat opposing defenses alive. And then his his running mate is Ben Simmons, who doesn't care about scoring. And all he wants to do is pass and, and get the guys around him going. And everyone's like, oh, they're a terrible fit. When in reality, when you put it like that, they're actually a perfect fit because they don't, you know, Ben doesn't care about his scoring. So he's not trying to take away from Joel. He wants Joel to be great. And he wants to be great as a facilitator, as that floor general, you know, setting these guys up. So I just... It, it's mind scratching still in what year four that yeah. people are still complaining about the scoring and the shooting when this team continues to just be successful. It's funny. Cause it, it's like, if, if they were to play that type of game where Ben does start taking more shots and starts taking shots away from Joel, if Ben starts bricking those shots, like how I just said, he's not that great of yeah. a shooter. You're going to see Joel start rolling his eyes, jogging up and down the court, getting pissed off because Ben's taking those shots away from him when in reality, Ben just wants to get Joel his touches that he deserves because he's the most dominant player on the floor. I don't think Ben is blind to that. He knows like, listen, this is our guy. This is who our offense runs through. So I, like I said, I don't get it. Like I, I don't understand the Sixers won. I thought despite that they were down the first two quarters it was a pretty comfortable win, I think. I think when Joel kind of was unleashed in the second half because that foul trouble was kind of put behind them, they were able to cook the way that they were supposed to cook. So speaking of cooking, uh, threw, on, threw on a game last night, Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami oh. Heat. You want to talk about getting cooked. <laughs> what, was is, what happened to Miami last night? I have no idea. I mean... It's as much as I don't want to say it, it feels like the, the flukiness of last season is really starting to come about as much as people, some don't want to admit it. I mean, this Miami team, well, first off, they're just not as good as they were last year, even from a roster standpoint. And then they're, they just can't 
get it done. I mean, they're struggling bad. Granted, credit to Milwaukee. They were making like everything to start that game. And I think that kind of put them down early, but they could not get anything going against that Milwaukee defense. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I said it last year when, uh, when the bubble was happening, it just was a different environment. And that's not to take away from anything because as much as I thought last year was a fluke for Miami, not much Los Angeles. I thought the Lakers were going to come out of the West anyway, but I mean, it just, it was so clear that the circumstances were going to be different. There's no crowd factor. There's no traveling. So there was definitely going to be like this different result that was unexpected. And that's where Miami benefited. And it's, it's just showing this year. Like I, I know they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of guys out to injury, out to COVID there. They don't even have Oladipo right now. I don't even know if Oladipo would make a difference at this point. He's just not the the player he was on the Pacers. So I, I don't know. They just, this is exactly what I expected this year from Miami, to be honest, after last year, I thought it was a fluke as well. So I'm not surprised by this at all. I also feel part of it is Milwaukee's really trying to make a statement. I feel like they're in that that same group with the Sixers of being a team where people are already trying to write the narrative on them and they don't think they can take that next step into like becoming a true contender. And Milwaukee's trying to exercise their demons right here in round one. They had the chance to to duck Miami in the bracket at, towards the end of the season. They opted not to. They wanted them in round one. So I really think that they're trying to take it to them. They're trying to make that statement of, hey, we know you guys knocked us out last year, but we're trying to prove that, you know, in a normal situation, that's not the case, that we are a better team. I think they've improved greatly with the addition of Drew Holiday. I think he's been great for them. You know, they got uh, some nice production from their supporting cast, like guys like Brent Ford, Bobby Portis. They have a nice roster. I mean, Giannis is playing great. Bud's playing them long minutes. So they were a team that I thought snuck up the rankings towards the end of the season this year of being really in the race to come out. And I think the performance against Miami in game two showed that. Yeah, I, I think the Sixers should definitely be fortunate that they don't have to really face Milwaukee until the Eastern Conference Finals if they get there. And it, it's going to be Milwaukee and Brooklyn just like beating each other up before yeah. they have to get to the city. I think the Sixers... At, at first, you know, when they were gunning for that number one seed, I was kind of like, why does it matter? You know, if, if you think you're the best team, you should be able to beat anybody. But then you see how it all played out. And I, I like it couldn't have played out more like better than this. Like you get Washington around one and then you'll play Atlanta or New York, who um, I mean, that that was an interesting game too. the way that went down. I thought for sure the Knicks were going to take advantage but Atlanta did a good job and yeah like I said I I just think that the Sixers have a better path to the top than Milwaukee or Brooklyn because they have to face each other beforehand so and I think Milwaukee's playing great ball so that that'll definitely be an interesting series if they do cross paths but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves right now we have a game two tomorrow uh Sixers play Wizards at home again and you'll be in the building right Yes, I will be there this time. You will, you will feel the crowd energy. It's going to be crazy. Um, so what do you have for game two? What's your prediction? Give me who wins. Well, the Sixers are going to win, of course, I think in double-digit fashion, maybe even upwards of more than 15 points this game because I oh. I think Joel Embiid's going to go supernova. I think he is going to make up for how the game one went down with him getting in foul trouble early. They have no answer for him. You saw it in game one. I mean, they were triple teaming him at times that he was getting post fades to go. He 
is a man determined in the post. He wants to make a statement. So I think we're we're going to see a nice blowout victory from the Sixers, and Joel Embiid is just going to cement himself as the most dominant player this season. So you think this is going to be like the third game of the regular season when they played the Wizards and Joel is just dominating, yep. aggressive. Yeah. Hopefully he takes it easy, though. We don't want to see uh, similar results to last time when he went down in that third quarter with that hard dunk. But I'm going to go with – I'm going to take the Sixers – uh, I don't know if they dominate. I think the thing is, one, Bradley Beal's getting a little bit more healthier. I think that that kind of plays a factor. He looked great in that first game. Um, I don't, I don't know if the Sixers really dominate any game this series, to be honest. I think that the Wizards will, will keep it interesting. I don't think that they're going to really – like I said, I, I think they'll they'll get one win the most, but I think it'll be a pretty competitive series. I think tomorrow's game will be pretty competitive. I don't imagine Tobias Harris is going to tease 40 points. You know what? Ben Simmons is going to have a big game tomorrow. Not like a huge game. I think I think Ben scores like 20. Okay. Yeah. This is just me. This is me playing around though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I see everyone talking and it's just like Come on, man. The guy had a good game, game one. But we all know that Ben can be a petty guy. He's kind of got that that Jimmy Butler pettiness in his blood <laughs> where he sees, all right, these guys are talking. I'm not scoring enough. All right, forget it. I'm coming out aggressive. Ben's going to have a big first quarter. He's going to come out, dunking the ball, attacking the rim. So I, I'm going to go with a big Ben Simmons game. Joel's going to have a big game as well. I think Tobias will play solid. And uh, the Sixers will, will squeak out of there with the win. And yeah, I mean, that's all I got for, for tomorrow's game. You have anything else to add? Pace is the name of the game in this series. And I think in the second half of game one, the Sixers did a much better job slowing them down in transition and forcing them to walk the ball down because bursting out into the open floor is the only chance Washington has of giving them any sort of trouble and, and making them scramble. So if they can control the pace the way they did in the second half of game one, I think they take care of business rather handily. Yeah. Plus they got, they had the home court advantage factor. And I, I think even just after getting hype after game one, game two is going to be nuts. Like <laughs> that was like, all right, we, we haven't been in the crowd for so long. We have to get loud. Now it's like, all right, now we're feeling the playoff energy. Like we, we can win this thing. We can move on and go to that championship. So I got Sixers in game two. You got Sixers in game two. You have Sixers in four games, which is bold. It's going to happen. Bold of gonna, you. It's going to happen. Get the rooms ready, people. Ooh, do you think? Hold on, hold on. Do you think Miami's getting swept? I don't know. As much as I don't think they're as good as they were last year, I still think they're good enough to win a game. I don't see them losing uh, both. I don't see them losing both games at home. Yeah, that's true. They do. They do get. Okay, yeah. I, I Plus, think I mean, win Jimmy game. Butler probably got a red eye flight right to Miami, and he's probably been working out since two thirty, you know, this past morning. So he's going to be well prepared because you know nobody tells the world that Jimmy Butler works hard more than Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hit that gym. They'll they'll uh, spray some water on him, make it look like he's been sweating, and then yeah. for the camera, he'll Jimmy do that iconic hard. Uh, yeah, that he'll do that iconic bent over pose that they got from the finals last season from, you know, when he was exhausted towards the end of the series. Yeah, and then then he comes out Thursday with his big face coffee, feeling the energy. Yeah. Oh man, it's a, it's such a bad gimmick at this point. Like it, it was cool at first and now it's like, all right, I'm I'm so tired of this. And it it looks even worse now that they fell 0-2 to the Milwaukee Bucks. But um thanks to everyone for tuning in. 
uh, that's episode one. This is our first episode, not including the teaser. Our our first day of school introductory teaser. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we're going to check out game two tomorrow. You can follow us on Twitter. Today, the Sixers practice. So follow us for the live updates. Kev, drop your Twitter handle. It's Kevin MCC NBA. Mine's at Jay Grasso, J-G-R-A-S-S-O underscore. Couldn't get the original handle. Somebody else got that. <laughs> Won't be paying for it. So got <laughs> got to throw in the underscore. You'll find it. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you later this week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.